0: People of the Book on 101.9 FM. This is People of the Book. Stephen Kravitz in the seat today. We've got a full show. We've got a number of books that I'm going to be speaking about. They're all available in the shops at the moment. And at half past 11, we're going to be joined in the studio by Jill Spain from Pan Macmillan Publishers. And we'll look at some of the fantastic titles that they'll be bringing out, both international and local. Uh, Everything that we're discussing on the show and that will be discussed has been posted on our Facebook page. So go onto the face, go to Facebook, and then search for "People of the Book" on one hundred one point nine Chai FM, and you'll find a great resource for anyone who's going into a bookshop, going to a book club. All the books that we've reviewed over the last two years are posted on our Facebook page. And you can see what's available. There's, there's definitely something for every taste the, that we've covered here on Ghaifem. And we're going to jump straight into some literary fiction. The book is called Winter, and it's by Ali Smith, published by Hamish Hamilton. It is in shops already. And Winter is the second book in a quartet. It's Ali Smith's season quartet, so each book is a different season. In 2016, autumn came out. It was shortlisted for the Booker Prize. In 2017, winter came out, and it was shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Uh, I think we can look forward to spring later this year in 2018 from Alice Smith. What you're getting is a very good read. Alice Smith is brilliant, and she is on fire these days. Starting her seasonal quartet in the heat of outrage following England's divisive Brexit vote, she started her quartet with Autumn, which was a moving requiem for an unusual friendship between two unlikely kindred spirits, a young art historian and her singularly cultivated old neighbour, whose raining, the reigning day's... The, her neighbours' waning days coincided with an alarming erosion of civility and compassion in, we should say, the United Kingdom, but after Brexit, the not so United Kingdom. Deservedly, autumn got onto the Booker Prize shortlist, and now follows winter. Aside from an exquisitely subtle link between the two books, the really Um, the two books share concerns rather than characters or storylines. And, lucky for everyone listening here who hasn't read Autumn, the books can be read separately. Their point of connection, so understated it's easy to miss, demonstrates yet again Alice Smith's skill at revealing surprising relationships between seemingly disparate narrative threads. She did this masterfully in a previous book, How to Be Both. This... Book that we're reviewing today, Winter, certainly heightens our curiosity about what the next two installments in the quartet will hold for us, that will be spring and summer. Like normal winters, this book is also tempered by climate change. Gets off to a somewhat dilatory start. There's a rambling soliloquy on ghosts and everything that's dead. Then discussions on God, romance, chivalry, society, the welfare state and hope. You get the idea that Ali Smith touches on everything. There's also an old lady who's either losing her vision or her mind. She's obsessed with the baffling disembodied head that's bouncing around her enormous barely furnished house in Cornwall. It's weird at the beginning, but hang in. You can trust Smith to slow us once again with her uncanny ability to combine brainy playfulness with depth, topicality and timelessness, and complexity with accessibility, while delivering an impassioned defense on human decency and art, basically civilization. So you're asking, what's the story actually about? In a nutshell, Winter is about a family riven by conflicting moral visions, which come to a head during a particularly ghastly holiday gathering. Two sisters have followed starkly different paths through life. Their surname Cleave, which is C-L-E-V-E, aptly suggests the homonym Cleave, C-L-E-A-V-E, which encompasses both the profound differences that split these sisters apart and the shared childhood memories that cause them to cling to each other despite their incompatible worldviews. The elder sister Iris is a lifelong protester who has devoted her life to one urgent cause after another nuclear proliferation poisonous chemicals, the current refugee crisis in Greece Her younger sister Sophia is an unrepentant capitalist, an entrepreneur who staked her whole existence on her work, sacrificing everything to it, including the love of her life and closeness with her only child, By the time we meet her, Sophia's Sophia's chain of shops, the make-douche stores, which sold heavily marked-up imports, have gone bust. It seems you had nothing to lose but your chain stores, Iris Snaps. Without quite understanding why, Sophia's son Arthur has felt pulled between his mother and his long-estranged aunt his whole life. On the eve of the holiday in question... A bright, sunny post-millennial global warming Christmas Eve morning, Arthur is expected to bring Charlotte, his girlfriend of three years, to meet his mother, who has retired to Cornwall. But Charlotte, with her endless hurt and fury at the world's sadnesses, has just left him. Engulfed by his indifference to Brexit and the fate of immigrants in England and by his absolute devotion to his reactionary, unpolitical blog called Art in Nature. With his life in Meltdown, Arthur's absurd immediate concern is finding a stand-in from his girlfriend who's just left him. Enter Lux, a waifish, heavily pierced girl he meets at a bus stop, who agrees to pretend to be Charlotte for three days, in exchange for a thousand pounds, a bargain as it turns out. Lux, an impoverished student and an immigrant who may not be allowed to stay in England shines bright among the many wonderful outsiders that populate Smith's fiction. Channeling the structure and tone of a zany English country house drama, the core narrative progresses from the 25th of December through to Boxing Day. Midnight church bells peal repeatedly to ring in the ghosts of the past. Sophia's haunting memories which go all the way back to 1961. Like Autumn, Winter is underpinned by Dickens and Shakespeare. This is British literary literary fiction, and heated by debates about immigrants, art, and ecology. The novel encompasses real things really happening in the real world, which digs at the new American president and references to last January's post-inaugural Women's March, and also halfway through last year, the, to the Grenfell Tower fire. One has the feeling that when Alice Smith writes Spring, there will most probably be, prob- most probably be hashtag MeToo themes running through her third book. This is a wonderful family spending time over the holidays drama with Tensions in relationships across the generations and between siblings thrown in with a whole almost like it's not editorializing but opinions on current events as they're happening around us. So it's Alice Smith, it's winter, it's literary fiction, but it is a very generous helping of so much more than just a straightforward book. We'll be back with a number of. M- just as interesting novels set after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. If you're listening in the car and you're driving, you can't write anything down or if you're going to a bookshop and you don't know what to look at, go to our face- go to Facebook and search us on Facebook. Search for people of the book on 101.9 CHI-FM, all the books from today's show, and for all the shows that I've been doing in the last two years, post it on our Facebook page, and you can get inspiration for what to read with a bit of input from me, Stephen, from CHI-FM. The next book we're going to look at is a second novel. We did review the first novel by this author just over a year ago. That was... The Couple Next Door, we spoke about it quite a lot on GIFM, and uh, when Lynn Fisher was in from Penguin Random House, she also spoke about it. Now, the author of The Couple Next Door, Shari Lapina, has her second book out. It's called A Stranger in the House, and she is building a reputation as a best-selling author writing domestic thrillers. Shari Lapina's debut, The Couple Next Door, became a bestseller when it was released in 2016. Now, we have her second novel. She delivers yet another absorbing domestic suspense story, continuing the themes of marital secrets, shady pasts and suspicious neighbours, as a seemingly ordinary housewife becomes the prime suspect in a murder case. Karen Krupp is the housewife in question. She wakes up in hospital after her car spins out of control and hits a pylon. The last thing Karen actually remembers is making dinner and waiting at home for her beloved husband to return from work. She certainly doesn't remember running out with the gun, nor committing a murder. But then the police pay her a visit and want to know why she was speeding away from a dodgy part of town where a man was shot dead. The timing and circumstances put Karen at the murder scene but she still can't remember why she left the house that night. Corrin's accountant husband, Tom, refuses to believe that she's capable of killing a man, but he knows his wife is hiding something. And as the lies and secrets start to pile up, the crooks find themselves in way over their heads with the detectives snapping at their perfectly suburban heels. Then there's lonely Bridget, who lives across the street, and keeps a rather obsessive eye on the couple under investigation. From her vantage place at the window, Bridget might hold the secret to while Karen's facing charges of murder. She could also have ulterior motives for concealing the truth and hoping her neighbours will be put away for life. With second books, there's always the tricky it's very tricky to pull off a book that will live up to the expectations readers have from the first book. Thankfully, Shire Lapina's successful formula that she developed in The Couple Next Door transfers brilliantly into A Strange in the House, resulting in a novel that's full of suspense. There's lots of potential suspects, so it really does keep you guessing. As the story switches between different Narrators, we go from Karen to Tom to Bridget and we get their viewpoints, we get small glimpses into what happened the night of Karen's crash. Her memory loss is a stumbling block with the police And there's always a niggling doubt that she could just be faking to cover up what really happened. So this is a domestic thriller. It's the new book by Shari Lapina. She is a name to look out for. It's nice to get in on the beginning of uh, an author's career. So this is only her second book. And she's a young author. So there could hopefully be quite a lot more domestic thrillers that Shari Lapina will pen. And the first book was The Couple Next Door. The second book is A Stranger in the House. So those are two books. We've, it's published by Bantam Press. So the first two books we looked at today, literary fiction, winter by Ali Smith, then domestic thriller, A little bit of suburban noir, and that is A Stranger in the House by Shari Lapina. Now, the next book that I want to talk about, I'm not going to really review it. I'm just going to talk about it because it's not. I just want to give you a bit of a a taste. It's going to be in the shops in the next few weeks. uh, And when it does come out, I will talk it up a little bit more. Um, I have put a request through to interview the author. Uh, the book's called The Rise of Silicon Valley as a political. Well, it's called The Know It Alls. It's subtitled The Rise of Silicon Valley as a political powerhouse and social wrecking ball. The author is no- Noam Cohen, and he lives in Brooklyn. He wrote a column for the New York Times called Link by Link where he reported, and, uh, he reported on technology. He wrote about Wikipedia, Twitter, Bitcoin, ad blockers, and other disruptive technologies. And he had that column from 2007 to 2015. Then he decided to write a book looking at what has given rise to Silicon Valley, not just the economic engine that it is, but the cultural phenomenon that Silicon Valley is and in order to give us the story behind silicon valley and the culture of the internet he looks at a number of personalities who have contributed to what we think of as silicon valley there are 10 chapters each chapter's focus on a different person we have the the normals bill gates jeff bezos sergey brin and larry page um, Mark Zuckerberg. We also have some of the behind-the-scene players in, in Silicon Valley, people like Peter Thiel and uh, Mark Andreessen. And then we also have an early dean of Stanford University, Frederick Terman, who really laid the foundations of Silicon Valley. The book was an absolutely brilliant cultural history and ideas history and cultural and an intellectual history of how we got to the internet today where the big problem is we have such power unbelievable power sitting in the hands of a few companies and those companies sit in the hands of a few individuals and how could it be that the world's data is being monetized and turned into power that you, the person who creates that data, have absolutely no say over your power, your data. It's handed over to internet or app companies and they exercise such power over the world. Political, social, economic power. So it's Noam Cohen. the know-it-alls, the the rise of Silicon Valley as a political powerhouse and wrecking ball. Just one point that I found very interesting is that two of these very, very influential people in Silicon Valley actually have South African links. One is Elon Musk. Everyone knows about his South African link. But Peter Thiel, who isn't so much a, a creator of companies, more an investor in, and almost like a... A godfather of Silicon Valley behind the scenes, but I use that word godfather in the mafia sense, not in the fairy tale sense. Actually, spent a few years when he was growing up in South Africa, because his fa- and in Namibia, his father was a ur- He worked on uranium mines, so that's a slight South African connection. The book is called The Know It Alls: The Rise of Silicon Valley as a Political Powerhouse and Social Wrecking Ball. It plugs into a vast feeling a cultural and a social backlash against the power of the big internet companies and the power that resides in silicon valley a thoroughly fascinating book it will be in the bookshop soon what you can do until the book arrives on bookshelves is you can look up noam cohen he has given a talk about his book at uh, at Google. Google runs talks at Google, so of all places to speak about the power of Google, he's gone to Google in Silicon Valley, and he's brought this anti-Google, anti-Facebook backlash, which he's written about. He he brings it right into the heart of the enemy's lair, into Silicon Valley. Very interesting interview, but it only covers a fraction of what's in the book. We'll be back with two more titles straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. you with Stephen Kravitz. We're looking at books. So far we've looked at Ali Smith's Winter, uh, Strange in the House by Shari Lapina. Ali Smith's Winter is literary fiction. Strange in the House, domestic thriller. I mentioned Noam Noam Cohen's The Know-It-Alls. It's it's not so much a critique on Silicon Valley, more as... Explaining how Silicon Valley, through ideas and personalities and historical processes, created the culture that is so pervasive around the world today. Now we're going to look at two futuristic novels, one for young adults, another literary but also quite a thriller. The first one I actually mentioned just at the beginning of the year, just towards the end of last year, but I, I mentioned it more as this is what I want to read. Now I'm going to give a review on it. The book is for young adults, but uh, grown-ups can also read it and get a thorough, th- a thoroughly enjoyable experience out of it. It's called This Mortal Coil. And There's a species of books that presents itself as the thing it's skewering, making it tricky to review. Do you cover the experience of reading the book the first time? Or do you let the twists, reversals, and switches work backwards once you finish the book, changing everything, and cover the experience of reading it in hindsight? Emily Suvada's debut, a high-stakes, high-tech, near-future, dystopian, young adult thriller, complete with first-person, present tense, enemies turn friends love triangle, and a cliffhanger ending of every chapter, is that kind of book. Everything that would fascinate you about the premise of this mortal coil would lead you to believe It wouldn't hew to genre conventions, staples and cliches. And you won't be disappointed. In the not-so-distant future, gene technology, called GenTech, allows people to program and hack their bodies, downloading vaccines, cures, hormones, as easily as we download phone apps. In the face of humanity's increased medical prowess, viruses have also evolved to compete with our abilities. The Hydra virus literally makes literally makes people explode. The resulting fine pink mist gets airborne and infects everyone within a mile radius unless they've immunized themselves by eating the flesh of the infected. In a neat reversal of the usual zombie virus trope, the healthy have to eat the sick in order to stay alive, and keep eating them because the immunity wears off after a few weeks but the virus is mutating. People are exploding more quickly and powerfully than ever, and the clock is ticking on the possibility of a vaccine. An organization called Cartaxis, not the military and not a corporation, but a massive international amalgam of technology and violence has ushered most of the world's uninfected population into underground bunkers at the cost of non-standard tech, meaning any open source apps that make up an individual's identity. Now enter Katharina Agata, the daughter of Lachlan Agata, a brilliant geneticist who's been working on a vaccine. Forced to cooperate with Cartaxis at gunpoint, Lachlan tells Katerina to hide above ground and never let Cartaxis take her. But Katerina's is a brilliant bi- a geneticist herself, albeit one hobbled by her body's inability to run the tech most people can, and she has been surviving on the surface for two years on her own, evading Cartaxis and reluctantly, reluctantly keeping herself immune to hydro clouds. That is, until Cortexus soldier, a, a, a Cartaxis soldier named Cole turns up with the message from her father, telling them they need to work together to unlock the vaccine while keeping it a secret from Cartaxis. This is This Mortal Coil. Very futuristic, but very, very cleverly plotted. Uh, most probably will be sold to some production company to be turned into a movie or a miniseries. But look out for it. The book is it's a young adult book, but anyone can enjoy it. Three billion lives at stake. Two pe- two people who can save them. One secret hidden in their DNA. This Mortal Coyle and it's by Emily Suvada published by Penguin Books and I've just got time to mention one more book before we uh, welcome our guest into the studio and that book is written by American author Louise Erdrich Louise Erdrich has been uh, she, she's a darling of the American literary establishment Her books have won some of America's most prestigious prizes her most recent novel The Rose won the National Book Critics Award uh, critic circle award in fiction and her previous book The Roundhouse received the National Book Award for fiction her An earlier book, *The Plague of Doves*, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in fiction. She lives in the American Midwest. She has Indian ancestry, so she brings that into her books. And this book that has just come out is also futuristic, slightly dystopian. Uh, It's called *Future Home of the Living God*, and in it, she she mixes together some of her favorite themes identity adoption indian uh, native american indian culture but she does it with a slight difference here because in this book evolution has turned to uh, has has gone into reverse and people are giving birth to tr- to babies who look primitive almost cave caveman like the government starts getting involved in reproduction and wants all women who are pregnant to live under government control. So reproduction, female reproduction, becomes highly politicized. This brings immediate comparisons to Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, which not only is a book now, but it's been made into an award-winning TV series in the U.S. as well. And in this book, a young lady um cedar cedar is adopted uh, adopt has been she was an American Indian from the Ojibwe tribe she was adopted by uh suburban parents in minneapolis she's twenty six she falls pregnant but she, she's now coming under, almost under the government's control and she runs away back to her Ojibwa tribe. So these are the, the things that go into this dystopian thriller written by Louise Erdrich. It's very literary. At the same time, it's very exciting as well. Published by Corsair. And uh, if you are watching The Handmaid's Tale and you, you, you're enjoying this type of uh, this type of genre... This is the type of book that you would like to go out and buy maybe for your book club. In the current, there's lots of anti-Trump sentiment in society and women, the, the marches. This is the type of book that's perfect for anyone who wants to march or is living too far away from marching but wants to at least plug into that type of um, that mindset. Louise Erdrich has definitely, definitely written a book that will continue the themes from uh, The Handmaid's Tale. But with this an American Indian twist and those are my books for today and right now we're very happy to welcome into the studio Joel from macmillan jill spain from pan macmillan publishers welcome to our studio
1: thanks Stephen. thanks for having me
0: that's great it's great to have you and you're just as passionate about books as i am which <laughs> is exactly what we want to share with our listeners here on high fm great you've got a very interesting list and for everyone listening Jill's list has already been posted onto our Facebook page, so if any of the books that she's talking about tickles your fancy, next to the title on the Facebook page is the month that it's going to be released into the bookshops, so you can really start drawing up your reading wish list based on the Pan Macmillan titles. Okay what we're going to do first
1: so I thought we'd start with some nonfiction first um, and I thought we'd start since it is it is still January so I think it is still um topical and um, we'd start with the new uh, Kayla Edsons um, the bikini body motivation and habits guide so um Kayla some of your listeners might know has a massive social media following around the world she has something like five million Instagram followers and um, Young woman in their 20s and 30s who want to get fit, who want to follow a healthy lifestyle. She's a bestseller in Australia. She was a bestseller in South Africa last year. Um, and her book has, it has 200 recipes. It has a whole lot of, um, I guess motivational, her motivational thoughts around, um, getting fit, being fit, being healthy. Um, it also has a whole, uh, workout guide so an exercise gu- guide um for those who who want to do that um and who follow her on on social media um and yeah so if you if you are in the mood to get fit I think um Kayla has a new book that might just be for you do you know do you know where she lives she lives in Australia um, she lives in Brisbane in Australia um and I think Apple have voted her the most influential fitness um black blogger in the world so she has she's built up this enormous um following online so she's a real kind of social media influencer um and she has lots of south african followers so um you know it's it's the language we all understand
0: <laughs> so that's lifestyle that's lifestyle fitness, fitness
1: yes cookery all of those things that falls into that genre Um,
0: And is that available at the moment?
1: It is available at the moment. It's out in January. Um, It's it's in all good bookstores right now. Uh, Then I thought I would talk about um, a book that is coming. It's coming in April. It's by um, David Gillespie Who is the best-selling author Of a book called Sweet Poison he, He's also Australian um, And he's written a fascinating book On um, taming toxic people So on how to identify a psychopath At work or at home And I found the book really um, user-friendly uh, He goes through um, What are the kind of key characteristics What to do once you have identified somebody who might be a psychopath at work or at home? What are those coping mechanisms for dealing with them? He gives some really good case studies um, on various psychopaths throughout history. I heard you talking about Trump earlier. Well, David does identify Donald Trump as really high up on the psychopath um, kind of list. Uh, I wanted to actually say, he go, he in one of the chapters... He says he talks about the everyday psychopath. So um, he says the key characteristics of being a psychopath. Here's his list: You um, are charming. You are self-obsessed. You can be a fluent liar. You're emotionally manipulative. Completely lacking in remorse or guilt Emotional shallowness And no responsibility for your actions Impulsive Those are the traits he kind of identifies as key um, He also talks about how There's a study on um, How psychopath People who are psychopaths um, like bits of food. So apparently, if you like black coffee, strong black coffee, and gin and tonic, your um, chances of being a psychopath are slightly higher than the rest of us. Um, So it's got it's got some humour. It's very accessible. I really enjoyed it.
0: Very practical.
1: Very practical. It says psychopaths can be any gender. There's no kind of um, gender specific. Kind of identification there He talks about If you're a psychopathic parent What to do uh, If you have a psychopathic neighbor um, What to do in the workplace If your boss is a psychopath I mean that I mean I'm sure that And the solutions solution not that.
0: Change your job Or move <laughs> to a new suburb He actually gives <laughs> he you Real practical you some, Yeah he does give you
1: Some real practical advice But with your boss He does say It might be best To look for a new job So um, at the end of the, the chapter So yeah um, so, yes, that's coming in April. Uh, so that's quite a good one to look out for, I yes, think. It
0: sounds, very, it, sounds, it sounds very, very vital for most people.
1: <laughs> a survival guide. Um, I think I think they're more prevalent than we like to think. <laughs> Lots of um, people in hiding. Um, and then the next book I brought is a book called New Power, which I think, um, Stephen, I don't know if you've seen um and it's basically it's hard to change the twenty first century, and why you need to know that. Um, and it's based. The two authors are actually um, have a TED Talk, so you can find their TED Talk. The two authors are Jeremy Hyman's and Henry Timms. You can find their TED Talk online, and there the book kind of deals with um, looking at old power. Um, and how old power was kind of centralized in the in the hands of a few and in the hands of say governments versus new power which is um the move to kind of this big sort of social change where huge um uprising of um Online kind of um, activism. Activism yes. is kind of helping to drive the the, the shift in ba- in the balance of power. Um, and the book is key to kind of understanding why that's happening, what's driving that. It also looks at um, new power and old power in businesses. So it looks at um, Airbnb. They talk a lot about how Airbnb. Um, It's kind of changed the whole dynamic in the um, accommodation and rental industry and how um, Airbnb don't own one property in the world. They have a zero kind of um, balance sheet in terms of property. Uh, It talks about uh, Uber, talks about ISIS, looks at the flip side, looks at how it can be used for kind of negative um, purposes as well. yeah, really quite interesting.
0: So that's that's, that's a, a psycholo- psychology, business, everything mixed together, looking at the, the change in power.
1: Yeah, the change in society, the change in power, I guess, yeah, psychology, current affairs, it could fall under business, it, it could fall under all of that.
0: And that has grown out of TED Talks as well, so... TED Talks is uh, powering a lot of thoughts in, yes. in the world today. And this is, if you do if, if, if you like TED Talks, then this is the book you have to look out for, New Power.
1: Correct, correct. Okay, and then the next book I thought we could touch on, um, which we are extremely excited about, um, is a new book, and, and some of your listeners will be familiar with the author. Um, Mandy Weiner, has a new book coming. Um, it's coming, it's releasing at the beginning of May. It's called Ministry of Crime. That's what I can tell you. Um, Mandy has done – obviously, Mandy is a well-known journo, um, journal, investigative journalist, um, and she's done a lot of research in this book. Um, and it's really – we're calling it a follow-on to Killing Cable, which was her best-selling book, which was out a couple of years ago. Um and this time she kind of Is investigating the underworld The underworld in Johannesburg The underworld She touches on the underworld in Cape Town She's done a lot of police investigations um, Police interviews She's had ed- interviews with Rodevan Crutcher She um, has uncovered A whole lot of um, new kind of police corruption and There's intrigue It's written really well Because obviously it's Mandy And she writes really well It fits into that um current affairs, kind of true crime genre. Uh, and, yeah, I think people are going to be talking about this book. It's going to be a big book.
0: This is May. This is May. The Ministry of? Crime. crime. Okay, that's something to look for, out for. Well, oh. when it comes out, we'd like to have it in the studio so she can I'm talk sure to about come, it. Yeah. I'm
1: sure she'll come and talk to you. I'm sure she'll come and um, chat to you about it. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a good one to look out for. And then... Um, Kind of flipping from true crime and, and current affairs um, we're bringing out a book it's it's an I guess it's an autobiography by a um, well-known South African rugby referee uh, Jonathan Kaplan um, who's now retired from the international rugby scene but um, this is all about it's a parenting book. It's about Jonathan's journey to becoming a father. Um, and he has a fascinating kind of history in that he just didn 't meet the right woman and he turned fifty and he really wanted kids and so he went along the unusual path as a as as a single dad of getting a surrogate and becoming a single parent um and i think his I think his son is is now um He's over one now, but um, this is kind of Jonathan's reflection on the first year of being a single parent and, and what happened in the lead-up to that and how hard it's been and how much joy it's brought him. Um, and it's really funny in parts. Uh, and obviously, he's a personality, so people are interested in, I guess, what goes on um, in in people like that lives. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, that's Jonathan's so
0: fascinating but also- I think his his it's a son. His son's yes. too young for, for us to ask the question. Do, do umpiring skills work very well as a parent because <laughs> <laughs> of I
1: think Jonathan talks a lot about having to um, put his referee skills that he learned um, doing, you know, l- um, being a, r- a rugby referee um, into parenting. So I think he takes some of those lessons into his parenting every day.
0: And when's that book available?
1: Um, so it's coming in April, um, and I'm sure Jonathan would be. I oh, would love available. To yeah, I'm yeah. sure he would. I'm sure he would come and chat to you. Is he going to come up from Cape Town to Joburg for the he launch? He is. He is. Yeah, he'll be in Joburg for the launch. So carrying so his carrying uh, his baby. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we, shall we chat about some fiction? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, um, I wanted to talk about the new Kristen Hannah. Um, that you might you might remember um, a little New York Times bestseller called Nightingale which um, was a massive bestseller a couple of years ago and this is her first um, first new book since the Nightingale um which we're really really excited about it's it's about to release in February so it's it's coming soon it's perfect for book clubs um and Kristen is really um an expert at Well, first of all, absorbing the reader in the story, you feel completely transported by the way she writes. Um, And this book is set in the 1970s in Alaska, which is quite an unusual setting. And and I actually haven't read much fiction set in Alaska. Um, But it's set in a time, um, it's the end of the Vietnam War. And um, it's set around a young family, a mother and a father and, they, and their young daughter who's, I think she's 12 or 13 in the story. And um, she, they decide that the, the dad has come back from Vietnam and he has post-traumatic stress and he just can't get um, comfortable with where he's living and he wants to move. And a friend of his who he met in the army says to him, Um come to Alaska and I'll give you a I'll give you a cabin and you and your family can live there, make a life there. And so he moves his whole family to Alaska and um they go they arrive in the summer and it's great and you know, it's quite rustic and they have to kind of make it into a home and they have to get to know the locals. Um but you get this sort of a sense of Alaska, this massive expanse of kind of land. and um, and Kristen Hanna writes that so well, you really feel like you're you're kind of in that Alaskan landscape. Um, but once the winter comes, things change. You know, things become quite it's, it's dark, basically. Not, 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 all the time, but it gets dark really early. Um, they're in the wild, so there's, um, kind of wild animals, um, they're trying to kind of assimilate with the locals who've been there for years and years. Um, and the young daughter makes a friend at school, um, she, she befriends a young boy, um, and his mother, um, they're on a walk i think they're on a walk home one night and she falls and she dies she's so kind of um, it's so cold there she's uh, she, nobody finds her until the morning um and it's it's really kind of um moving and uh, in parts I cried and it's it's a great it's a great book club read and one that you'd, you, you know, you'd be happy to kind We're of It's putting discuss.
0: all the friends from that moment together and yep. how their lives progress in Alaska
1: Correct.
0: So that's, it's Kristen Hannah, the well, book's Kristen called? Kristen Hannah
1: and it's called The Great Alone. The
0: Great Alone yep. That sounds like the, the isolation of the Alaskan North. Yes We'll be back Just. with even more novels right after this ad break People of the Book on 101.9 High FM this is People of the Book on 101.9 FM. Uh, we are talking books. We have Joel Spain from Pan Macmillan in the studio with us. And we've just been regaled by a number of great books that are, will be coming out. All the books that um, that Joel has mentioned are on our Facebook post. So go to Facebook, look for People of the Book on 101.9 one, one, one FM. And then on today's list, you will see at the bottom... The fiction and the non-fiction that uh, Jill's spoken about, and also the month in which the book will be released, so you can start building up your reading wish list so that as soon as the book hits the shops you can you can get it in your hands and start a totally different adventure, a totally different journey into the written word. We've got a few more titles, and yeah
1: um so. We also have coming which we are really really um excited about is uh a brand new Kate Moss. Uh she hasn't written for a while. Um and this is the start of a new um it's start of a trilogy. It's historical fiction. It's coming in May. Um and Kate Moss is coming to South Africa and author tour. So she'll be at Franschhoek, she'll be at Kingsmead. Um and I'm, um, you know, I, she's going to get great um I guess, coverage on the book. But the book is called The Burning Chamber. And I guess what makes it so special is that it has a South African connection. So it's got a lovely backstory. story. Um, when Kate was last here, she was in Franschhoek, and she went, um, she went to the Huguenot Museum in Franschhoek, and she was fascinated by the history, and she was kind of reading all the exhibits. And um, she started kind of thinking about... How the Huguenots had come to South Africa And she wanted to do some research When she went back to the UK So she went back to the UK And she started formulating the start of the series um, The Burning Chamber And so the book The book is wonderful I've read it, it is fantastic I loved it um, It is my pick of the fiction books um, For the first half of the year without a doubt um, It is so well researched It starts in Franchuk It opens in Franchuk um in the 1700s, and uh, in the first chapter it cuts back then to France and um, to the kind of um, tension between the Huguenots and the Catholics in France at the time. And the whole story is kind of based around characters on on both sides, and and obviously there's a love story in the middle there, um, one from the Huguenot side, one from the Catholic side, and... and there's murder, there's intrigue, there's um, mystery. It's really fast-paced. It's really well-written. It's just a great book.
0: And she'll be here to launch the book in May.
1: She'll be she'll be here to launch the book in May. And the next book will also be um, will be coming. Um, and the third book will be set in France, so there'll be a real kind of South African link, which is great.
0: And Kate Moss is. Um, yes. hugely read around the world. So yeah. this will put Franschuk on the, <laughs> the on international the map. <laughs> map. It's not there already.
1: I think her most sort of famous title is um, Labyrinth, which you know, which is probably her biggest book to date.
0: But now that she's moved publishers, she's hoping that, um, that <laughs> Pan Macmillan will launch into a higher level of uh, readership.
1: Yes, let's hope so.
0: I want to ask you about another book on the list,
1: Only yes. Child. Yes. So um only Child is going to be releasing in March, and there's also um, it's by an author called Rhiannon Navin. She's a debut author. This is her first book. She lives in the US, um, and there's a great kind of um, online. If you if you Google the author, you'll find um, you'll find like a blog post on why she wrote the book and her inspiration behind this book. Um, so she has in real life she has three children um, three young children in the US and she was struck by how her six year old was learning at school about um, what to do if if a lone shooter came into their classroom you know which, which happens in the US it's you know they have to prepare for it and that kind of got her thinking, um, and that's kind of the idea behind the book and that's where the book comes from and like any parent, I guess that's one of your worst fears that something would happen to your children while you're not there to protect them um, and so the book is told from the perspective of the six year old um, a six year old little boy called Zach and um, he he is in a, he's involved in a, there's a, a gunman that comes into the school and his teacher tells them all to hide in the cupboard and, um, they can just hear the sounds of the gunshots. Um, but he isn't, he isn't, nothing happens to him, he's fine. Um, but then the book moves on in terms of what the impact is on him and on the family kind of going forward and all those kinds of themes it brings up around, um, what would happen if you were in a situation like that
0: so it's bringing uh, thre- threads of association in my mind to room correct so that's, that's a good that's a good and that's one of your other books as well you yes. know it's a few years ago what one of the, room was one of the most powerful books that I've read in the last twenty five years Wow Room and the other one Terry at Macmillan she said to me that when Anthony Horowitz was in South Africa yes. Um, he said to her, "You have to." This was years ago when uh, the Alex Ryder series was, was still small. Yes, he, she said. He, he said, "You have to read." We need to talk about Kevin. Oh. So when when your oh. MD told me about that, I went and I got a copy of "We Need to Talk About Kevin." And those two books, I suppose, you know, as a father and as a principal of a school, really, really kid kid centered fiction, but looking at sometimes the resilience of children in room and the. Aptitude for Evil in Children, and we need to talk about Kevin. Those two books have remained with me for far longer after I've turned the last page <laughs> than most other books. Yes. So I'm looking forward to reading Only Child. Great. We, we'll be back with one more title, and it's a local South African author straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book. It's Stephen Kravitz in the seat and we've got Jill Spain from Pan Macmillan talking to us about books. We've got a fantastic list of books to look out for. So if you're listening to the show and you've found, you've heard about a book that you want to read, whether it's dealing with psychopaths, the distribution of the change, distribution of power, going from old power to new power, if it's... Kristen Hanna's um, The Great Alone Set in Alaska or if it's Only Child which is about uh, a child who survives a shooting in an American school and the impact on the family or if it's Lifestyle all the titles are listed on our Facebook page so go to Facebook search for people of the book on 101.9 High FM and you will see all of the books that we've mentioned today and all the books we've mentioned for the last two years and you'll get inspiration next time you're in a bookshop and you'll buy the right book. Now, we've got one more title. It's a South African author, and it's like, uh, I don't know, dark, gothic, or uh,
1: <laughs> fiction. Um, so... The next, the last book, um, is by somebody who, who's pretty well known, um, especially in Joburg, Nahama Brody. Uh,
0: definitely to the listeners of this radio station. Yes.
1: Um. And so her new book is is um, fiction. Like Stephen says, um, she's writing under a little bit of a pseudonym. She's changed her, she's changed. She's using her initials. So instead of Nahama, she's using N R Brody on the book. Um. And I think that's deliberate in that. You know, like J.K. Rowling didn't use her first name and that you 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 reach a wider audience. Um hopefully some men will pick this up as well and read it. Um but it does have like Stephen says it does have a dark edge, but um it is just a really good, fast paced cop thriller. Um I read it very quickly. Um Nahama writes really well. This is her fifth book uh it's set in joburg so you'll recognize the the sense of place it's got it's set on northcliff hill it's set in downtown joburg it's set in um parts of sandringham she really kind of captures that local feeling which is one of the things i love most about reading local fiction is that you know the setting so you know you you don't have to um sometimes great you, you you feel like you're in the story because you know the road she's talking about you know the building they're in you, you know so so i think that always adds something extra when you're reading local fiction um but it's uh so, so Nahama based a book around two kind of um main characters one is a is a a policewoman and the other is a retired policeman who's kind of had enough of the, being in the police service. He's become, a, he's become a private investigator. And they both arrive um, on the scene of a, what looks like an ordinary housebreaking. Um, but they soon and they were friends in the police force. So there's that whole dynamic of their kind of friendship. It's very gritty. Um, so they arrive on the scene of this um Of this crime this house robbery and um there's been a it looks like there's been an intruder shot um and there's then they start to realize that there's more to it it's not just an ordinary housebreaking there's a there's a whole kind of poaching angle there's a whole international kind of smuggling um uh, animal ring involved and um they together have to kind of combine forces and they kind of lean on each other for support and there's a little bit of a love story going on there as well. Um but they're really on the trail of of who's responsible and, and it's there's fantastic. some gormas thrown there's some, in yeah, and there's some Gorma poachers. There's, yeah. But but it's for me it was a real kind of it was really just a good crime kind of thriller story.
0: And set in our city. So that makes it as you said, so much more accessible. Yeah. The great list that we've had today from Pam Macmillan, all the books are on the, on the Facebook page. Facebook search for people of the book on 101.9 FM. Mark down the date when the book that you want to read or all the books that you want to read are released. Find them in your stores, in your, in, in, in your local bookstores at that time. Uh, and then all I can say to everyone listening is good Shabbos and keep reading.